Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Right now, join T-Mobile and get an unlimited family plan with Netflix included so you can watch in more places than ever before on your phone, tablet, or TV. Plus, buy one Samsung Galaxy S9 and get one free with 24 monthly bill credits so you and your family can binge your Netflix favorites on your new phones. Call 1-800-T-MOBILE or visit a store today. Unlimited data on their network. Video streams at 480p. Small fraction of customers using over 50 gigs per month may have reduced speeds. If you cancel balances due, well-qualified customers, full price, 720 plus tax. Finance agreements required. Netflix for two screens. Terms apply. What's better than this? Guys being dudes. Guys, here on the Draft Dudes Podcast, I am Joe Marino of NDT Scouting and FanRag Sports, joined by Kyle Krabs, who's the founder and director of scouting with NDT Scouting, also with FanRag Sports. We are your hosts here on a Monday edition of the Draft Dudes Podcast. We're here to recap the weekend that was in college football and talk about uh, some of the stuff that stood out to Kyle and I, for better or worse. Uh, from the weekend that we just experienced in college football, and Kyle is is still traveling back. Oh my God, you've had quite the uh, the start of the season with your travels, and uh, and he's he's working remotely here. But we're here to uh, to break this thing down. Kyle, what's up, man? Yeah, thanks for uh, pulling some strings for me. I appreciate it. You know, I always hate to miss a show, but uh, yeah, I just got back to my car in the economy parking lot at Philadelphia International. I'm driving home. Uh, it is essentially actually monday joe we usually record on uh on sundays but uh yeah it's it's pretty close to midnight here so the clock's getting ready to strike midnight and uh this carriage is going to turn into a pumpkin here pretty quick so we better hammer out some football yeah man hey 10 i think we're going to hit ten thousand miles combined between the two of us in the uh the first Ooh. month of the season and that is uh, something i'm pretty happy about man that's awesome but that that is quite a number to hang our hat on so yeah i actually added up my round trips for my five games in september i did philadelphia to rutgers and back philadelphia to dc and back i did a flight philadelphia to memphis and back 
flight Philadelphia to Phoenix, drive to Tucson, drive back to Phoenix, fly back, and now I'm driving to Blacksburg next week. It is official for uh, College Game Day, Clemson and Virginia Tech on uh, this upcoming Saturday. So that is uh, quite a month for me. I'm front-loaded, Joe. I know you're you're back-loaded, so you're just getting ready to tee off here on really no, getting on the road. I'm not I'm not disappointed in the first month I got to Atlanta for the Georgia Tech-Tennessee Stop. game. Stop. You're rubbing it in already, <laughs> man. I just got off the plane. Charlottesville for Virginia Tech in, or Virginia-Indiana, and then I've got the doubleheader this weekend for Duke-Miami on Friday night in North Carolina State and Syracuse on Saturday. So the miles are adding up, and then – we're booked up every week for the rest of the season, but let's get into this, Kyle. Uh, I know that you were you were at a few games this weekend, so uh, let's let's hear let's hear what you have to say for the people here. Yeah, you know what? This was actually really exciting. This was my first live Pac-12 After Dark experience. Uh, do you use the hashtag Pac-12 After Dark, Joe? Man, I, uh, I my goal every single week is to make it into the second half of these Pac-12 after Yes, <laughs> yes. And, and I'm yeah. hit or miss, you know. So. <laughs> yeah, if, if you're able to stay up the past midnight when that clock strikes midnight for uh, the second half of a, an 8 p.m. kickoff on the West Coast, you're doing all right. You had yourself a nice, nice day of football. But, uh, yeah, so Friday night, drove to Tucson for Arizona and Utah, and um, – no, the draft prospects, I was actually surprised, Joe. Uh, there were two NFL executives at this game, including an East Coast general manager. Nice so not the the kind of representation that you may necessarily expect for uh, Utah and Arizona. But, hey, that's kind of – that's scouting, right, is you get out and even if there's only a handful of guys – you make the trip. You look at the guys, and I was actually pretty impressed with one of the talents here uh, in this Utah and uh, Arizona game. Utah won thirty to twenty-four. Uh, game was not quite as close as the score indicated. Got pretty exciting at the end, but uh, uh, Darren Carrington. You know, this was somebody that we were asked about. This was the wide receiver from Oregon who was dismissed from the team by Coach Willie Taggart for a DUI incident over the course of the summer. Had a couple run-ins under the previous regime, and um, no, Coach Taggart essentially came in and said, hey guys, you know, the, the off-the-field stuff's got to stop. It's one strike and you're out. Carrington got a strike, kicked him off the team in July, and uh, he landed with Utah and was cleared like two weeks before the start of the season uh, to actually play for this season for Utah. And after this game, uh, he's within striking distance in his next game or two to set career highs in receiving yards, receptions, and receiving touchdowns. So he is having himself a hell of a year uh, with this quick turnaround. And he was really the star of the game uh, for me as far as draft talents. There wasn't really anybody. I was hoping to see something from Nick Wilson. I don't know if uh, college football fans right, might remember Nick Wilson. He was a freshman. I believe the year they won the uh, Fiesta Bowl, Arizona did. And uh, he's been banged up a lot. He just does, he doesn't look like he's got any life left in his legs, which is unfortunate. But uh, Utah had Darren Carrington, who plays big. Uh, I was impressed by the overall energy that he played the game with. You know, he was getting after guys on the boundary. He's not overly thick. His his um, his frame's not big. But I was impressed with the effort that he brought to the table, which was not something I saw consistently or on. So that was nice to see. Uh, made a couple splash plays in the passing game. They moved him around. He was on the outside. He was in the slot. He was winning all over the place. 
his production could have been a lot better if they had some more consistent throwing of the, the football. But uh, Carrington was the star of the game and a uh, little underwhelmed with Lolo Tulele, uh, the defensive tackle. But I'm going to cut him a break here because Arizona plays this Rich Rod spread offense. This was not the kind of game that you're really going to get to see a whole lot out of a true nose tackle because everything's running outside. Everything's option-oriented. They they really had him really straining to influence pace when they're optioning off tackle and running power sweeps and and the whole nine yards. So didn't get to see a whole lot from Lolo Tulele, but it was still a very productive trip for the company that I shared and seeing Darren Carrington really – rejuvenate his entire college career and pro prospects. Yeah. Uh, before I let you talk about your other game, I want to talk a little bit about North Carolina State and Florida State. This was a, a big road oh, game. Great North game. Carolina State. Florida State's 0-2, man. I feel bad for them, right? They had the, the tough assignment week one with Alabama. They were off a couple weeks on account of Hurricane Irma, and then they host the Wolfpack and, and get loose. So, uh, obviously, without DeAndre Francois, although the, the quarterback, the true freshman, Blackman, played pretty well. But uh, I want to get into some of the prospects that, that stood out in this game. The first one on North Carolina State side of the ball, Jalen Samuels, man. This guy, this guy's fun. He's like a Swiss Army knife type of player. Uh, he, he does a little bit of everything. I mean, he lines up at running back, wide receiver, tight end, and the dude just makes plays. He's even threw a pass in the, in the game. So he, he finished the game with a 25-yard pass completion. He had the uh, the rushing touchdown, which was a hell of an effort to extend the ball on the goal line, and then he caught 12 balls, scored a, scored a receiving touchdown, and uh, you can tell this guy's, you know, you hate to just like slap that football player label on, on a guy, but that's just kind of what he is, and so, you know, you, you think that this guy can make plays at the NFL level, just hopefully he can get into a system with an offensive coordinator that can, you know, play to his strengths and his creativity and, and do all the different things that Jalen Samuels offers because he's a lot of fun. I uh, want to talk about an offensive player for Florida State, Auden Tate, nine catches, 138 yards and a touchdown. And really loved how uh, Blackman got him involved throughout the contest. He targeted him, I think, ten times in the game. You can see where Auden Tate was doing well to use that big six-foot-five frame to position himself at the catch point to make plays. Now, he did have an injury, a shoulder injury, that caused him to miss most of the second half. So we'll need to, to hear more about that. Hopefully that's not uh, something that's serious because he started to find his groove uh, in this game. Uh, turning our attention to the defensive side of the ball, I want to hit one player on each team. Obviously the star here was Bradley Chubb, the defensive end for North Carolina State, a player that both you and I were, were pretty warm on uh, over the summer. Thought he kind of was like a top 50 guy, but man, he played some good ball. He had two sacks in this game, and it really took advantage of what's perpetually now it's becoming a trend. Bad offensive line play for Florida State. Their left tackle, number 74, had his handful with, uh, with Chubb, who showed a lot of power off the edge, and, and his motor was relentless. He, he chased down a play and, and forced a fumble down the field, and, and, and was just uh, he, he was just nonstop off the edge throughout the entire contest. And then Derwin James, the safety for Florida State. I think everyone's going to get caught up on on the big missed tackle. That you know it allowed a he, he allowed a completion and, and really just didn't break down in space and got shook and, and allowed like a seventy plus yard touchdown. And that that's bad, right? Like we don't want to see that. But I thought the rest of his game was pretty good, where he was he was closing fast and showing that closing speed and power uh, that we that we enjoyed two years ago from Derwin James. So yeah, that the. the touchdown that he gave up was was certainly a you know black eye but overall i was really pleased with the, with the burst and the power that uh, derwin james played with in this game 
Yeah, two quick takeaways on each of those two defensive guys that you mentioned, Joe. Uh, Chubb had eight pressures total in the game, but I think that strip that you mentioned was probably his most impressive play for me. Just getting back down the field into pursuit and a really accurate punch on the football. Uh, I mean, Florida State's driving to score, score points there, and that was a really big key play in the game so the awareness there to attack the football while tackling downfield uh, from a bigger guy I really love to see that and then with Derwin James I think something people need to remember is even the best players are going to have bad plays right and I think you see this theme kind of extend into draft assessment as a whole where if if you're not a quote-unquote perfect prospect like you're going to have a good amount of people that like are actively down on your game. But how often do you get a quote-unquote perfect prospect? Everybody has warts to some degree. So I think keeping some awareness here of understanding, no, this player's not perfect, but something like a Derwin James, and it's a much more smaller scale where I'm, you're talking about a single play in a game versus – uh, a single trait in a player. Nope. Just remember, none of them are perfect. None of them are going to be perfect. Uh, I thought Derwin James was very impressive in that football game. Even the interception that he had that got called off by a penalty. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Uh, it was a really, really nice play on the ball. Uh, Joe, the other game that I had a chance to go to, I was in Tempe on Saturday night for Oregon and Arizona State. This was another one-score game down at the end, and it was an upset. Uh, Ranked number, I believe, 24, Oregon dropped this game 37-35. The names right off the bat that I knew I wanted to watch, I wanted to watch both Arizona State running backs, Demario Richard and Kalen Balage. I wanted to watch Royce Freeman, the running back on the other side. I wanted to watch offensive tackle Tyrell Crosby uh, from Oregon as well. That was really not a lot of defensive talent for either team here. Unfortunately, uh, Arizona State had a pass rusher, uh, Karan Crump, who was one of the top sack leaders in the country, uh, hurt his knee against uh, Texas Tech the week beforehand, and and he missed the game. There's some rumblings down there that that's a pretty significant injury, so that's something to watch. Uh, But nothing's been confirmed yet. Uh, And then defensively for Oregon, I mean, they're very young, so it's it's not a lack of talent necessarily. It's a lack of experience and, and a lack of eligibility that really prevented me from keeping eyes uh, on the defensive side there. Uh, but I did watch Justin Herbert, the sophomore quarterback, who's uh, quickly gaining steam uh, in a lot of uh, draft circles, not just media. There's some folks out there, West Coast area, uh, talent evaluators, if you will, uh, who were very enthusiastic to bring praise to Justin Herbert, the sophomore quarterback from Oregon. So uh, usually you hear some some media bubble on a player, and it might just be you know a spare quote from somebody. And uh, a lot of times you find it's kind of hollow. Uh, this is not one of those cases that there is some excitement out on the West Coast for, for Herbert. He played well. He didn't play great. Um, he really I, – I love the way he stands in the pocket and will Put the push the ball down the field. Let deeper routes develop. Uh, he's got an eye for that. He really wants to allow the deep route 
to come open so he can hit those throws. And he's willing to stand in there, but if he's got somebody late flashing across his face, you see him compensate with his mechanics a lot. Led to a lot of the misfires that he had in this game, but uh, some of the touchdown passes that he had, there were two in particular that really stood out to me, were just wonderful, accurate throws of the ball, throwing away from defenders, uh, proper reads, ball gets out on time. So he had a, a good game, not a great game. Uh, I actually thought Manny Wilkins, the quarterback on the other side, uh, did a nice job pushing the ball down the field to try to open up some space for those Arizona State running backs. Um, Demario Richard, don't see a lot of life in his legs at this point. He just, he's not explosive. You know, he has more patience than Balazs does, especially when he's running in between the tackles. But, you know, when the gap opens up or when that alley is there, he just doesn't have enough juice to get up through it. So I'm, I'm not sure Richard's going to have a, a very fruitful NFL career. At this point, just based on not, I don't see baseline traits there. So I feel pretty comfortable with my opinion on that, having seen him in person. Balaj, on the other hand, oh my goodness. <laughs> this kid, uh, he's legit 6'2", legit 225. Uh, he's fast. When, I don't know who was watching Balaj. Some, I believe Daniel Jeremiah was quoted with a, a scout saying that, you know, Balaj. Uh, speed is a concern, or maybe it was Tony Pauline. I think it was Tony Pauline. Somebody told them uh, Balazs top end speed is a concern, but when he sees space and he puts his foot in the ground, you can see the acceleration visibly from up close and far away. Uh, very impressive athlete. He caught the ball out of the backfield. He just doesn't have any room to run. So that's why I think it's really important that Wilkins, um, continues to push the ball down the field as, as Arizona State gets into Pac-12 play, kind of prevent teams from just loading the box and really charging the running game, which is something that you've seen happen over the course of the past couple of weeks. I've, I've seen now two Arizona State games this year. Um, the guy who stole the show in this game, this is the last guy I want to talk about, is Neil Harry. He's a true sophomore, 6'4", 216, wide receiver, for Arizona State. He's a former five-star recruit, hometown kid, decided to go to Arizona State. Uh, Joe, put a star next to this kid's name, number one. He is a stud, an absolute stud. I saw him walk by on the field before the game. I did a triple take. He is massive, and he's built very well. And he didn't just look good. He played good. There was a long catch that he had. He just got tackled short of the end zone, but he took a skinny post route had a defender, the corner that was covering him, jump on his back, and the free safety comes across to clean his clock across the middle, and he absorbs both of those hits, spins out of it, and continues running up the field. It was like a 70-yard gain, uh, just eye-popping stuff. You know, he's super impressive. K. Neal Harry, it's K-N-E-A-L Harry, and I really, really loved his game seeing him out there, so... That's what I'm most excited about as I'm driving back now from this trip is a chance to see that kid play football because he is legit. There you go. Up-and-coming wide receiver name drop for you. Uh, let me get over here to this TCU-Oklahoma State game. Obviously a big disappointment for the Cowboys with uh, you know with the, with the conference loss, their first big test of the season at home at Stillwater, and TCU came in and, and played better. 
really Oklahoma State's defense was terrible. Um, just couldn't get a stop. And Oklahoma State, really, you can tell they missed. They were missing their right guard and their right tackle. And, uh, and TCU took full advantage. So let's get right into the Mason Rudolph conversation. Uh, if you go to ndtscouting.com, you can see my notes. I went drive by drive on Mason Rudolph and commented on some of the most relevant things that I that I saw in this game. Um, you know, the things that you like about Mason Rudolph were there. He showed the big arm. He hit throws down the field. Um, but I thought in this game, you know, I've watched a ton of Mason Rudolph, and I thought in this game, more than more than any that I've seen, I thought there was a lot of issues with his internal clock where he wasn't sensing the pressure. He was extending yeah. plays, and, and, and there was people coming behind him, and uh, he just didn't seem like he was he was in sync with that. And, and so there were just times where he needed to get rid of the ball uh, and, quicker and, and, and he didn't and then later in the game where he was a little bit more nonchalant with it and um, he, he was actually getting rid of the ball too soon and it's just like there was there was just uh, some issues there with that internal block I really thought it affected his game obviously that probably has something to do with, with the offensive linemen that were out but uh, you know there was things that didn't have anything to do with the offensive line that, that he struggled with uh, you know still made some good throws still did plenty of things where he found leverage and, and put the ball in the accurate positions uh, again, hit throws down the field, but you know, by and large, this was this is a down performance for Mason Rudolph after three really strong ones to start his season. I uh, want to touch on a couple more players here. Let's actually say something good about uh, Oklahoma State's defense, and this is a player that I've done two weeks in a row. I've done Oklahoma State games, and, and this defensive back, senior safety, uh, Trey Flowers, man, this guy can play. Uh, he shows a lot of comfort in space as a tackler, which I really appreciate. There's some reps where, you know, TCU was running free a ton, so he had a lot of chances to make tackles uh, where you can tell that he knows how to wrap up and aim low, and he doesn't concede those yards uh, after contact. So really like the way he tackles, and then he came away with his with the second uh, interception in as many weeks. Uh, this interception was a really good read on the ball. He took a great angle uh, where he needed to keep the play in front of him because he was the over-top defender, but uh, positioned himself really well and took advantage of an overthrow, a lot like the interception he had last week. So if there's a positive for this Oklahoma State defense, I think they have a player in uh, the, their senior safety, Trey Flowers. want to hit one player from uh, TCU, and that's uh, linebacker Travin Howard. He's a senior, and he's small. He's like sub-220, but he's one of those dudes, man, where it's like these modern-day linebackers where they're undersized, but they can run uh, and have enough play strength to hold up between the tackles. You know, he's kind of that next guy, it seems like. He's fast to flow. You can tell he's got just really good bursts of the football, and, and he feels the inside run well. So he, his best way of dealing with blocks is avoiding blocks, and, and right now he's able to get ahead of those blocks and make plays. You, you worry about you know a sub-220 linebacker um, you know holding up at the next level in that type of but uh, he showed me a lot in terms of the way that he sniffed out run plays, knife through and made plays. So I want to spend some more time on him. I know that uh, national Scott Jonah Tolls thinks awfully high of him. So he, he's a player that caught my attention in this game, and I'm looking forward to kind of taking a deeper dive here in the coming weeks and seeing, seeing, the, uh, seeing more of a, a body of work to get a better feel for him. Yeah, you stole my thunder. I was going to plug that Jonah Tolls piece on him. He, he really likes him. Um, and I think you see a market for – like the Telvin Smiths of the world. And anytime you get a guy that's super quick and can tackle and has explosiveness to him, seems like like end of day two, very beginning of day three is where you usually see those guys go. So if he can play, 
certainly expecting to get his name called. It's probably just they teams have a cap on a player like that. It seems like nobody's willing to invest higher than like a mid third round pick to, to early fourth round pick on these smaller, leaner uh, pursuit linebackers, if you will, instead of a guy that's going to play at the point of attack. Uh, Joe, last thing I want to talk about, uh, before the Arizona State and Oregon game, I did have a chance to watch a a vast majority of Cal and USC. And can we, where can I sign the petition to get Cal to use those uniforms full time? Did you see those things? I I did. Um, Man, I was indifferent on them. I'm surprised you liked them. Really? Yeah. No, they remind me of like the throwback pit uniforms. Did you see the ones Pitt wore yeah, last I, year? I, so the color scheme on there, um, just thought the, the logo on the helmet was goofy. I mean, it's it's a block C. It's, right. it it's a cow. Yeah. yeah. It's yeah. it's not the most imaginative, but it's a throwback. So I, I thought the, the color combo and the jerseys were really sharp. Um, and they played tough. This team played really tough. Um, obviously Ronald Jones did not make the trip to Cal. So he did not play in the game. Um, here's hoping that the, the injury that's bugging him is not anything that's going to be lingering for too long. Uh, you always worry about super physical runners when they start getting banged up because they're probably not going to change their play style. So it has the potential to really linger, but if they do change their play style, now they're getting outside of what they do best. So it's, it is a, a real dilemma there. Uh, for a back that runs the way that he runs. Uh, I mean, I really just want to touch quick on Sam Darnold because I'm watching this game, and um, this one kind of rattled my cage a little bit because you see him go to the well. There were a couple throws, outbreaking routes to the sideline, and there was there were Cal was playing a cover two shell um, underneath, so they got the overtop, the cover two. And they've got squatters in the flat and hook curl areas. And he's trying to fit this ball out. And he throws it directly at the zone defender. And he gets it once, and the guy catches the ball, but he, he's carried out of bounds, so he doesn't finish the play. It's like, all right, close one. Let's go ahead and dust that one off, and we'll, we'll let that be now. And the next possession, I'll be damned if he doesn't come back and try the same exact throw again. And it's like, I don't, I don't know what, it's almost as if he's just trying to make splash plays happen with too much frequency. And because you know he knows better. He, you have to know better than that. So I'm, I'm, this, this really kind of threw me. I'm like, okay, what's, why are we playing so aggressive to the point where we're making foolish throws. Joe, this is what you asked me last week when we were talking about Josh Rosen. Do you remember this conversation? Oh, yeah. And and we're talking about challenging coverage and when is it a good thing to challenge coverage. Throwing an out route directly at a squatting zone defender who is staring you in the face is not a good example of challenging coverage. If you're playing man-to-man and he's got his back turned and he's shaded to one side and you put the ball on the other side of your receiver, it's a good example. If you want to throw high and outside to make sure that there's no chance that that receiver's going to get it, you want to fit it into a tight window, you're going to have to put it up and force your receiver to make a play on the sideline. 
It's a good example of challenging coverage. Sam's not adequately challenging coverage right now. He's just throwing dumb throws. And there's been a handful of them every single week. So I'm starting to get frustrated now. And I really like Sam. Sam was my QB1 when I just did my player rankings. It's, you know, you don't want to be overreactionary. Um, I still see all the traits. I really still think he's special in key game situations like third downs and red zone passing and all those things. He's very good in those areas. Now, I've made that case all summer long and now into the fall. But I'm, I'm like, eh, I'm going to have to like really mark you for this now. And it's got to change or else we're going to have a problem if you declare and it's time to have a conversation about your draft status and, and what I think about you as a player. Um, so, you know, it was just interesting. Again, you know, they settled down. They pulled away in the second half. It seems like they got Sam into some quicker throws and they get down inside the 10 and they, they run the bootleg and he's got the flat route. And he's not asked to, to really work the ball hard and try and fit into tight spots because when he does right now, for whatever reason, he's just overly reckless with it. It's not even aggressive. It's just reckless. So that was my primary takeaway from that game. Joe was just, okay, we're, we're really, you're really going to make me have this be a concern now because it's not going away and it's been a month. Yeah. But good thing for the Trojans is the defense has really risen to the occasion in critical moments, and Cameron Smith's playing some really good ball there. Yes, he linebacker. is. Nwosu, uh, their outside linebacker, hybrid edge type player. He's playing some good ball. I did a write up on him today for NET scouting, and uh, you know they're playing. They're, they're making up for it on defense, and you know that the offensive potential is there. It's just not there right now. And somewhere in that uh, in that uh, that program is the team that we saw against against Penn State last year in, in the in the Rose Bowl. So. Uh, you know that that offense. You got to think it's going to come around, but uh, there are plenty of concerns right now about the way that it's playing. I want to touch on one more game here today, Kyle. Uh, Georgia, Mississippi State, and uh, really a big opportunity for both programs to make a statement. And uh, man, uh, Georgia made the statement right. 30, 31 to three over Mississippi State. Uh, defended their home field and, and played really good football. Want to hit on three prospects here that I thought told the story of the game. First, uh, there was some buzz starting to, to chirp around uh, quarterback Nick Fitzgerald for Mississippi State. Let's uh, let's pump the brakes there, guys. Um, let's. Uh, this is not. I don't think this is a. He's a junior and he's a he's a guy that's going to need next year to to show what he can do. Uh, really had no rhythm at all in this game. A lot of short, quick just, uh, throws that were designed to get the ball out, and his placement wasn't there. Um, there was a lot of runs, a lot of design runs that were very fruitless. And you know, Georgia has great team speed defensively, and they handled this this quick tempo type stuff that Mississippi State was trying to execute. So uh, there's a there's a lot that Nick Fitzgerald needs to show, and, and um, hopefully he's not a player we talk about for this class. Um, defensively for Georgia, well, you know, let me say real quick, Nick Chubb. Really like what I saw from him. He only had 15 carries. And Georgia did a really good job of getting all three of their running backs involved. Uh, Nick Chubb was the most fruitful. He was 15 carries, 81 yards, had the touchdown. Uh, but, you know, it was really great to see, man. He's got his balance. He's got his that low center of gravity. He's absorbing contact, and he's moving so well, right? His burst, I really think, is, is coming back, and he's looking like that back that we were 
really excited about uh, in 2015. So uh, we'll see how he goes as the SEC conference schedule comes up here. But I thought the story of this game was George's defense. And, um, man, Roquan Smith, their linebacker, junior linebacker, is just playing really high-level football right now. Uh, there was just a lot of examples where you can see how quick he is processing information and then getting to the football and by taking really good routes. He's finishing well. He's playing fast. He's closing. He's showing good proficiency in space, moving well laterally. Where there's, I'm looking through my notes, and there's just plenty of, of positive reps where he's getting out to the numbers, and he's chasing down screenplays, and he's handling you know quick game in terms of getting into passing windows in zone coverage, man. So, like, he is looking like one of those linebackers that we talked about Travis Howard a minute ago. He's a bigger version of that. Um, and he's, he's playing some really good football right now uh, throughout the season. Big, big game against Tennessee next week. We'll see how he does against John Kelly and co. Uh, but then I, I just think it's fun when we get to drop names, right? So here's a name that I wasn't familiar with, but he kept popping throughout this game. And I'm talking about DeAndre Baker, cornerback for Georgia. Seemed like Nick, Nick Fitzgerald wanted to go after him and there were a lot of times where you know it was, it was kind of just throw it throw it to the area of, of the receiver that DeAndre Baker was, was uh, covering it man Baker responded time and time again where he was in phase physical where he's pinning those routes up against the sidelines and uh and, and you know it's 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 difficult because he's in in this situation where he needs to stay you know inside and on top of the route so his he has to rely really on understanding what the receiver's doing in relationship to when the football is going to arrive. And he just had this continually time and time again, those types of situations where he just knew when to get his hands up and he played right through the receiver's hands and disrupted, uh, disrupted several catches where he had a lot of pass breakups in this game. I don't have a number right offhand, but I, I'd have to say it's four or five. And then uh, he also had a really nice interception where he drove off of his back foot and just broke on the football and came away with the nice interception so uh you know his ability to play through the receiver's hands in one-on-one situations remain in phase and play physical was really really impressive so deandre baker baker check him out the rest of the way because he played a really good football game against mississippi state man what's better than that Nothing. 30 minutes of draft dudes non-stop talking college football talking nfl draft prospects it's what we do it's what we do on this show uh, if you enjoyed today's show, that's going to do it for us here today. Uh, please hit subscribe for the podcast. You get a chance to catch us every Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Uh, Joe, we haven't talked about this yet, but surprise, Wednesday's show is going to be a new concept. So I'm going to tease it. I want to I want to clear it with you first, but I'm going to tease it right here, right now. We're going to get into some uh, new ideas on Wednesday's show. So we're excited to... To, or at least I'm excited. Joe will be excited once he knows what it is. But uh, we're going to bring some fresh conversation to the table for you guys, uh, try and bring you uh, some, uh, some of the insight as to how the scouts' minds work. Uh, so that's, that's what we're looking forward to on Wednesday's show. Hit that subscribe button. Like I said, you can also reach us on social media. I am on Twitter at NDT Scouting. Joe is on Twitter at the Joe Marino. Uh, make sure you follow along. We've mentioned NDT Scouting. You can go to ndtscouting.com, keep up with all of our week-to-week game notes. we got a, a crop of seven guys that are just busting tail 
and it's really cool on Saturdays. The game wraps, and within 30 minutes, the game reports are up, and you get a chance to see, okay, who's draft relevant and how they play, and uh, we really are really proud of what we're doing over there, so we'd kindly ask you guys to swing over and check that out as well. I am Kyle Crabb, signing off for Joe Marino. This is the Draft Dudes Podcast, and we will talk to you on Wednesday. Right now, join T-Mobile and get an unlimited family plan with Netflix included so you can watch in more places than ever before on your phone, tablet, or TV. Plus, buy one Samsung Galaxy S9 and get one free with 24 monthly bill credits so you and your family can binge your Netflix favorites on your new phones. Call 1-800-T-MOBILE or visit a store today. Unlimited data on their network. Video streams at 480p. Small fraction of customers using over 50 gigs per month may have reduced speeds. If you cancel balances due, well-qualified customers, full price, 720 plus tax. Finance agreements required. Netflix for two screens. Terms apply. Suit up. Mission Impossible Fallout is 95% fresh on Rotten Tomatoes. It's one of the best action movies ever made. Showtime. Rolling Stone calls it off-the-charts spectacular. What is he doing? I find it best not to look. A thrillingly clever story filled with twists and turns. Target Ethan Hunt. We should be dead. Why aren't we? With an ending that will blow you away. We interrupt. In. Tom Cruise. Mission Impossible Fallout. Now playing. Rated PG-13. May be inappropriate for children under 13. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.